MGV Media presents Travel Itch Radio, the show that lets you scratch your lust for travel from the friendly confines of your home. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with my longtime friend and colleague, Mary Ellen Nugent Lee. And this is the 471st episode of Travel Itch Radio, and we are in our 11th season. Every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, we visit with hotel and airline executives, authors, photographers, publicists, and others in the travel world. Listen live on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com, or feel free to check out the show later by typing Travel Itch Radio into the blogtalkradio.com search box and clicking on today's date, August 18, 2022. And our guest tonight is Ben McDonald, Director of Communications for Reno Tahoe, and we're talking Reno Sparks and Lake Tahoe. Welcome back, Ben. We've had you on before. Welcome back to Travelers Radio. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Ben, I love Reno's nickname, the biggest little city in the world. Please tell our listeners what that means. Yeah, you know, I mean, the biggest little city, right? It's, it's got... So many double entendres, I don't even know where to start. But really the idea is it's, it's got somewhat of a feel of a big city. We have uh, great entertainment, um, great restaurants and dining, a lot of activity, but at the same time a really small town feel, uh, great outdoors right nearby. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds here. There's not a lot of, uh, of other urban spaces around the city. So, you know, Nevada is kind of an interesting place. There's only about 20% of the land that isn't federally owned here in, in the state of Nevada. So you don't have a lot of cities stacked in together. So you really get mm. kind of that small town feel, but also uh, big city amenities. Ben, the most obvious element of your downtown is the arch with that nickname. Who put it up and how long has it been there? Yeah, so there's been about three different arches. And it's... Um, been been up since about the late 1800s they started putting arches up. There's still an old one over off of Lake Street um, from the 50s over by the National Automobile, Automobile Museum. And so, you know, it's been up different iterations of it for well over 100 years. Um, but the, the name, Biggest Little City, uh, kind of interesting, actually came out of a contest. Um, the mayor and, and the city was, were looking for a slogan, and in, uh, let's see here, I guess it was 1929, they finally chose one. And some guy in Sacramento won $100 for sending in the winning, the winning nomination of the biggest little city in the world. How about that? And when, but you know what? When people think about Nevada, they often think it's synonymous with Las Vegas. But you know better, don't you? Oh, absolutely. You know, I was born and raised in Las Vegas. I moved up here in 2004, so I've been here just over 18 years now, uh, it, it's a big difference. You know, I, I tell people, you know, being from Las Vegas, hey, if you want to go and spend $10,000 and go to the super bougie nightclubs and go gamble every night, you know, go to Vegas. That's the place for you. You know, like mm-hmm. I said, this, is, this destination here in northern Nevada is much, much different geographically. We're high desert. We're at 4,500 feet elevation uh, above sea level, much higher than Las Vegas. Uh, we're a lot greener. You know, we have desert as part of our, our geography, but 
We're much, much greener, right next to the Sierra Nevada mountain range. So much more of an outdoor feel, definitely a lot smaller. You're, you're a person here, you know. People, people can, can see you here, and it's much easier, I think, to interact with the visitors and the locals. You know, the Strip it seems so far away when you live in Las Vegas that you're almost around entirely other visitors. And that can be great, but at the same time, you know, when you're traveling, you want to get a feel for the local flavor. You want to talk to the locals. You want to, you want to eat at locally owned restaurants, not just, you know, kind of big chains and, and big uh, monstrous uh, gaming resorts. So um, it, it's definitely, you know, I don't want to say it, it's friendlier, but it feels more like home when you're here. Uh, sure, sure. So would you say there's a friendly competition between Reno and Las Vegas? I would not. Uh, I, I think I think it's it's that different of a space, and and let's be honest, you know, uh, Reno, we're we're a pretty small destination. Uh, you know, if you take in the cities of Sparks, Reno, and and the entirety of of Lake Tahoe, you know, you're really sitting at about a population base of about a half a million people, um, and Las Vegas is one of the top tourism destinations in the world. Mm. We are more of a, a domestic destination here. Uh, and there's good reason for that. I think the, the city councils and the county, uh, I did a lot of research uh, many years ago, about a decade ago, uh, on expansion here in the Reno area. And the city councils and the county have, have really worked to maintain that, that small town feel, you know. I mean, gaming was much more prevalent here in northern Nevada much, much earlier than it was in southern Nevada. You know, southern Nevada, Las Vegas, is a baby. Um, so, so if the folks that that grew Reno and this area up uh, over the last 100, 150 years, if they wanted this to be Las Vegas, it would have been. Uh, and they really focused on, on keeping, you know, to their roots and keeping it kind of a, a small-town secret. You know, we're, trying, we're starting to get a lot bigger now, but for a long time I think this area uh, was definitely underrated and a little bit of a secret when it comes to um, not just visitation but also uh, living here. Like Let's that. talk some Reno facts, Ben. Where is it located? What's nearby? And where did the name come from? Yeah, so we are in northern Nevada. Um, this area, we're you know, a couple hundred miles probably south of, of Idaho. We're right on the California state line. Um, and so we're nestled right up against the Sierra Nevada, um, right next to Lake Tahoe. Sacramento is about two hours to the west of us, right? And San Francisco, about another hour and a half to the west. So, you know, I-80 I runs coast-to-coast, coast essentially, uh, really grew up kind of along, along that railroad route when people were trying to get out uh, to, to the gold rush in California. Um, but geographically, you know, it's still funny when I say it, but we're actually west of Los Angeles, if you look on the map. Um, so that's kind of an interesting little, little tidbit. And hmm. the name Reno... So there's about three different places, uh, I think a county in Kansas, um, a spot in Ohio, and uh, I want to say New Mexico, and then there's us that all have the name Reno in, in some variation. And it was actually from a Civil War and Mexican-American War general, um, Jesse Lee Reno. Um, he died, I think, about five or six years before Reno became a, a city. And it was in a battle during the Civil War as a Union soldier. And they started naming places after him all around the country. I'm not sure what, what the significance of his death was, but uh, they, named, they named quite a few places around the country after him. And this is one of them. Obviously, he had never been here. 
<laughs> he was <laughs> he was living in the south and the east, um, but that's that's where the name comes from, and it's it's kind of uh, not ironic, but it's definitely pertinent. Uh, you know, Nevada became a state in 1864 because of the gold and specifically the silver that we have in this state. Abraham Lincoln needed some extra cash to fund the war, and so Nevada became a state, and he took a bunch of that money out of Virginia City and won the war. We are talking with Ben McDonald of Reno, Tahoe. Ben, doesn't greater Reno include the state capital, Carson City, and even some parts of California? Yeah, it does. So Carson City is the state capital. There's only about 50 to 60,000 people who live in Carson City, so it's definitely one of the smaller state capitals in relation to other cities uh, within the state. And very close by, it's about a 30-minute drive, uh, great, great location, uh, right next to a lot of farmland. Um, one of the oldest, uh, actually the oldest sediment in Nevada is called Genoa. It's about 20 minutes away past Carson City. Um, but, you know, it's always great to go down, see the state buildings, see the governor's mansion. They have some great uh, sports activities, uh, primarily kind of like youth sporting facilities uh, down in that area. A uh, lot, lot of fun, a lot of history, uh, great, obviously, railroad museum that they have down there. Um, but, you know, the, our area really encompasses the cities of Reno and Sparks, which are rare sister cities in Nevada, um, and then Lake Tahoe. You know, we, we essentially touch the north side of the Nevada side of Lake Tahoe, but that's far too confusing to anybody who wants to come travel here. You want to come visit, you want to see the entirety of the lake, um, it, it encompasses California, Nevada, and about four different counties all, all hit the lake. So you can definitely find a, a variation of things to do in that area uh, around the lake, whether it's winter, summer, fall, spring, hiking, kayaking, mountain biking, skiing. Clearly we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, hunting in the area as well if, if you head up north and stay on the Nevada side. So uh, it's definitely... Uh, an interesting geography, you know. Like I said, we're, we're at about 4,500 feet above sea level here in the valley. Now, if you head east, uh, excuse me, if you head west, you quickly go up to about 9,000 feet once you hit that Sierra Crest and then come back down uh, into Lake Tahoe, which that water level is about 6,200 feet above sea level. So in that area, you go from mountain lake and forest down east through the through the Truckee Meadows into the Reno Sparks Valley, and if you head east another five minutes, you're just in pure desert. So there's a lot of opportunity here, a lot of variation. Uh, def- definitely an interesting interesting uh, destination. Mm-hmm. So how close is Reno to Lake Tahoe? Oh, you can get there in 30 minutes. Depends on where oh, you want to okay. go, but uh, you know North North Lake is just a 30 minute drive from downtown. You can be you can be on the beach in about 40 minutes. Wow. Is it fair to say the railroads built Reno, or is it more accurate to say its claim to fame before gambling was the discovery of gold and silver? Oh, man. I, you know, I think, I think the railroads and, and the mining really goes hand in hand, right? You know, they, they found a lot, of, a lot of silver and gold nearby about 45 minutes now. Uh, it probably used to be about a, a day's uh, uh, drive in a, in a cattle car, right? Um, down the hill from Virginia City, but you know, access to San Francisco drove the railroad, uh, which, which came through Reno before going through the Sierra to get 
to get to California where the gold was. Um, the railroads were also built uh, up here in Virginia City to get down to Carson City. They would mine the gold and silver out of Virginia City, take it by train down to Carson City to the refineries. Uh, so I would say that the, the railroad definitely helped bring more people here, and that was definitely a reason why uh, we were built in, in this area. But the mining really paid for that continued uh, development and production. And I would say even more specifically that probably the proximity to the Sierra Nevada and the fact that the Truckee River flowed through, through this area and still does, obviously, right through our downtown area, is probably the main reason why Reno stayed here, because we're just close enough to the Sierra that you're not in the heavy mountainous region, um, but just far away enough that you know if you started a journey, hopefully it wouldn't take you too long. You'd get through there before winter was over and make it all the way into California. Now, Ben, wouldn't you say, isn't Nevada still the third largest gold producer in the world, behind only South Africa and Australia? So I, I believe at, at this time, Nevada would rank in the top five. I think they would be top five. I think China is actually number one now. Um, wow. But, but Nevada produces 80% of the gold in the United States right now, and that would put us right, right there in the top five behind uh, China, South Africa, Australia, and I, I can't remember what, what, other, what other country is uh, heavily producing gold right now. But, yeah, it's – it's still big business here. Mining is big business here in the state. Hmm. And I know Ernie Pyle, the famous columnist, once wrote, all the people you see on the streets of Reno were obviously there to get divorces, but isn't Reno today more of a wedding destination than a divorce destination? Absolutely. Famously, yeah, you know, the Truckee River, Virginia Street Bridge right in downtown um, people would move here, women would move here to get divorced from their husband because it wasn't legal in other places, and they could live here for between six weeks to three months and be considered a Nevada resident, and so they'd get a divorce. Well, guess what? You can get divorced anywhere. It's kind of like gaming now, right? You, get, you can get divorced anywhere now. Um, so <laughs> definitely this is not no longer a divorce destination. Uh, certainly this is a destination wedding location. Uh, when you're talking about the views of the Sierra, you know, even even one of our nearest uh, ski resorts has a great venue for getting married and for weddings, and you can see the whole valley uh, right up against the slopes. Obviously, hopefully there's no snow there when you're doing that. You're probably going to do that in the summertime. But uh, <laughs> great outdoor wedding destinations, great ballroom space, uh, fantastic uh, dining when it comes to group events. That's something we do really well here, meetings and conventions and large group functions. You know, that's kind of our bread and butter here in northern Nevada. So so definitely much more of a wedding destination these days. <laughs> it just sound, you, the way you describe it, the vistas sound gorgeous. So, in fact, then, <laughs> isn't tourism Reno's major industry? It is. It's diversifying fast. There's a lot of tech and manufacturing moving into the destination, but tourism is still number one here in northern Nevada. Absolutely. We have great hotels. We have great amenities. We have great entertainment. The outdoors, you can't, be, you can't beat it, especially, you know, that's the, one of the things that we found. You know, a lot, of, a lot of other destinations weren't as lucky as us. They don't have the outdoor amenities and the offerings and the menu of things that you can do outside of, of the city center um, to get away and find some open space. And so we've actually done surprisingly well over the last two years 
um, where others have struggled, and, and that's because tourism has been driven by our great outdoors. It's been fantastic. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Ben McDonald of Reno Tahoe. Ben, we know Reno is a town for all seasons with major summer and winter attractions, but what are your real peak and bargain seasons? Yeah, so I would say the peak season for sure is roughly May through September. And, you know, we refer to that as special event season here. You've got uh, the Reno Rodeo in June, Art Town for the whole month of July, Shakespeare Festival up at the lake right now, Hot August Nights we just had a couple weeks ago, 6,500 classic cars come through here and spend a whole week. It's crazy. The Best in the West Nugget Rib Cook-Off, we go through 100 tons of ribs in a week, and over 500,000 people come through. Great Reno Balloon Races, Air Races. Street vibration. I could, I could go on and on. So that's, that's the height of special event season. That's definitely the busy season. Now, your shoulder seasons, uh, where things get a little bit less expensive, I'd say, are the, you know, the late fall and then the, the late winter right before, right before spring. So November, December um, gets a little slower, and then you, know, you get a really a good push around January, February for ski season. And then, you know, March and very early April is probably the next shoulder. Um, so th- those are definitely the busy seasons, I, I would say. It's mostly summer. Even, even in the wintertime, you know, the ski resorts get really busy and the hotels do really well. But a lot of that traffic is, is coming from Northern California. And most of those people will stay a day or two, get two or three days of skiing in, and then go home. So th- there, there's usually availability around that time. Hmm. Okay, you mentioned that Reno is very close to Lake Tahoe and pretty close to Sacramento, San Francisco, and I know Yosemite National Park in California is also on that list. But isn't it also close to the notorious Donner Pass? Would you share with listeners what happened there and why it can never happen again? Oh, well, hopefully we won't go into too much detail here. But, yeah, so there was a group of people traveling from from the Midwest, I believe, and uh, they were the Donner Party. They, They took off around 1846. And they headed west. They were headed for California, find their fortune in, in California. Well, they got into Reno just before winter started to hit, and uh, they decided they were going to take on the Sierra Nevada. And the locals told them, no, you can't do it. It's too late. You missed your window. You're going to have to stay here for the winter. Don't go. Don't do it. Well, somebody wasn't listening, and <laughs> they headed up over the Sierra Nevada. They got stuck in Donner Pass. They spent weeks and weeks fighting through the snow, and when you're talking about 10, 15 feet of snow and uh, a large group of people in, in horse, horse-drawn carts, you're not going to make it very far. You know, there was no freeway back then. So uh, it, it all ended a little rough in 1847. Eventually there was a group of them that did survive, but most, most of the party uh, did not complete the trip. And um, they ran out of food, and after they ate the horses, they resorted to um, having to find sustenance on, on one another. Um, oh. So it's, it's, it's a very scary story, but it led to, uh, it was uh, Michael Myers in one of, his, one of his movies made the joke, and if you don't know the Donner Party, um, it wouldn't have made any, any, any sense, but they were showing up for dinner, and he said, Donner Party? Party of two? One? Two? <laughs> um, but it was, yeah. <laughs> Not very funny, but, you know, it's Michael Myers. He's hilarious. <laughs> Mike Myers. You're listening, to, <laughs> listening to Travel Witch Radio with Dan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent. Please find the archive show on blocktalkradio.com or check out Travel Witch Radio on Facebook. We're also on iTunes. 
and we're talking with Ben McDonald of Reno Tahoe. Ben, most of our audience might not know this, but your Nevada Museum of Art is the only Nevada museum accredited by the American Alliance for Museums. Talk about that a little and also the National Automobile Museum. Yeah, the National, uh, sorry, the Nevada Museum of Art is uh, really a blessing here for us in Northern Nevada. You know, we have such a vibrant arts and culture scene, but they do a really good job of bringing in art, not just from the area, but from outside of the area as well. It's four floors of rotating exhibits. Most of the stuff that they do will be in-house for three to six months. Big names, people you know, and they, they are constantly going out, curating their own collection and finding new collections. But I always give this one example because it's so impressive. They brought a few years ago the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, it's in metal sealed containers with thick glass and and they only the archives only release it you know for a few weeks each year because it's so important and they don't want the sunlight to, to damage the documents and we had it for about two weeks there were people lined up for two blocks around the museum to see this and I give this as an example not because it's it's artistic in nature but it just shows the work that the curators do to find things of importance and, and things that are going to make you think and feel, not just about art, but also about the history of the country. And they do a great job with the local community. They do kids, kids classes, so that's open to anybody, visitors and people who live here. And then the National Automobile, Automobile Museum is so cool. I'm not a car guy, but if you get me in there, I could easily spend an hour and a half just walking around, reading the displays, checking out the cars. Did you know the first electric car was built in the late 1800s? We've, we've had that for 140 years. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't um, know so that. So much history in that building. It was started by uh, William F. Hara, who built the first Hara's Casino right here. was right here in, in the heart of downtown Reno. Um, and he had a huge car collection, so he started that. He left that uh, when, he, when he passed away. And they've grown that collection over the years. And honestly, it's, it's a, a really a, a historic monument um, to the U.S. auto industry, um, but also has some really fun other exhibits in there about the, the Hera family as well. Now, you mentioned briefly uh, earlier that every July Reno hosts, hosts Art Town, a visual and performing arts festival. Would you care to tell us how it went this year? It was fantastic. You know, it's, it's the full month of July. <laughs> over over 400 events they have, okay, in, in 30, 31 days. Uh, very, very impressive uh, that they keep doing this year after year after year. Uh, dancing and performance art and painting and sculpture and theater and, and dance. And uh, it, it, it's all over town. It's in downtown. It's in the south part of town, it makes its way up, up the Sierra to Tahoe. Uh, you know, there's, there's always something going on, and half of the events are free. Um, so you don't, you don't, you can, you know, pick out your day, pick out your two or three days that you want to go check some things out, and it's not going to break the bank. It's really a testament to uh, the local arts community and how the community supports the arts here in northern Nevada. Now, you, Reno also has terrific music venues, including the Reno Pops and Reno Philharmonic, which is not bad for a town of your size. Let's hear about them. 
Yeah, so it's great. We have we almost not only have a philharmonic, but we also have a chamber orchestra, which is which is oh. not common for a town of our size, a, a region of our size. And great great event venues, the Pioneer Center for Performing Arts in downtown, the Grand Theater, Grand Sierra Resort. They've done a fantastic job with that. Um, the Nugget just recently built an outdoor amphitheater uh, right in downtown Sparks, which is which is awesome. The Reno Event Center in downtown can hold 6,000 people as well for for um, performances, and you know there's other special events catered around the the music scene as well, like Classical Tahoe, which takes place every year. The Reno Jazz Festival, which is put on by the University of Nevada. So you know it's not just visual arts, right? But uh, very mm. very. Uh, heavily steeped in history uh, of of this region are uh, you know musical acts you know Frank Sinatra, uh, ah. Sammy Davis Jr. You know these guys all came through Reno. This was this was a hot spot for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'd also like to hear about your sports team. We're running out of time, unfortunately. We've got about five minutes left. You have two roller derby teams, one male, one female, and the Barracuda Championship, a PGA Tour event. Barracuda Championship's fantastic. You know, they just moved it up to, to Truckee, which is only about 25 minutes away from, from Reno last year, and they, they do a fantastic job. We get world-class golfers in through, in through here, um, it, and it's an interesting format. It's a stable, modified Stableford uh, format. So if, if you don't know too much about golf, you at least know that your, your objective is to score fewer points, you know, get less strokes. <laughs> But in the Stableford, they actually give you points based on what you score. So the objective is to score the most points. But, you know, it's not, not the most strokes still. Still the fewest strokes. But it's, it's a different format. And then the Reno Aces, AAA baseball, been in downtown for about eight years now. It's just a fantastic stadium. And, you know, I would recommend not just here, but anywhere you can go around the country. If they've got a AAA baseball team, go support them. Those guys are out there working their tail off. And whitewater rafting on a $1.5 million course on the Truckee River, right? Anybody can get out on the Truckee. You know, the, the whitewater course is always there. It's, you know, a series of, of rapids, and it's, it's safe depending on what time you go. If you don't know what you're doing, I wouldn't be in there, you know, say May, June. Uh, it's definitely much more family-friendly in July, August, September. That's what I would recommend doing. And you can also float down the Truckee, you know, grab some inner tubes, Get a little cooler, you know, with you know water and juice, obviously, um, and hop in a tube and and enjoy the river. It's beautiful. And tell us why your national bowling stadium is called National. Well, it was built in 1995. We have a long history with the United States Bowling Congress. They've been putting on a thing called the Open Championships for about 105 years, and they started coming here in the 70s. And the bowlers love Reno. They love it here. So they loved it so much that our city council thought it would be a good idea to build a $45 million stadium. It was the first of its kind anywhere in the world, the National Bowling Stadium, four-story building dedicated strictly to bowling and primarily to the USBC. And they come in uh, once, or, once or twice every three or four years, and it's, it's big business here. The, the United States Bowling Congress is our biggest client. They come from all over the country, Florida, Midwest, Texas, you name it. It is the National Bowling Stadium right here in downtown Reno. And coming next month is an event called the Reno Air Races. Is that a highlight of the air special races. calendar? Yeah, only, only place in the world where when you think about air racing, there's actually multiple airplanes in the air at the same time racing around pylons. It's not a timed race. It's about who's finishing first. 
It's the craziest thing you've ever seen, and they've been doing it for 50 years here. Fantastic event. Pilots and people come from all over the world to see it. They sell about 45, 50,000 tickets each year. It's a week-long event just north of town. Uh, never seen anything like it. Whew. Ben, how do Travelers Radio listeners learn more about Reno? Very easily. You just go to visitrenotahoe.com. We've got a great lineup of all our events, things to do in the area, or check us out on social media. It's just Reno Tahoe, one word, Reno Tahoe on social media. Many thanks to Reno's own Ben McDonald for being our guest tonight on Travel Rich Radio. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. See you guys in Chicago. <laughs> and that is it for this edition of Travel Rich Radio next week. Same time, same station, same writer, same announcer. We'll talk with Sheila Brown live from Summer Nights B&B in Wildwood, New Jersey. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg, another Jersey guy, along with Mary Ellen Nugent Lee, saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night. Good night.